Hey everyone, welcome to Foxes Have Holes. I'm so excited. Brian Grow is back. That's why we're on a hiatus a little bit. And I had some family stuff come up. My grandfather passed away. But Brian, I'm so glad you're back. Dude, it's been a while. Oh, has it been a month since we've done this? It has been a month. It might have been. Time flies, man. Oh man, it has been a month. Shoot. That's crazy. I tried to record by myself. Welcome back, you guys. Yeah, welcome back. I tried to record one by myself. I just couldn't do it. I needed you. Yeah, well, and... And I'm here for you. I'm so glad you're here for me. I'm here. I'm here to help out in it, any way I can. I was like, they're not going to just want to listen to me ramble sure on for 35, do. 40 minutes. That's nah. how it started. That's how it started. And then I was like, no, nah, I need a co-host, man. They hooked you in. People are like, he's boring by himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then listeners skyrocketed when you show up. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a following. That's right. You do. I'm going to just use that. Of at least four people. <laughs> That's double the amount of listeners we got. No, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So we have a great topic. Super excited about this topic because I, don't, I, I think when this concept is mentioned, people kind of get more motivated. At least I do when I, when I hear about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it especially when you contrast it to things that are happening in the world. You know, we see all these images and things that are happening in Ukraine. We see just a lot of things that we've been dealing with <laughs> in the past couple of years. The hard things that people have been dealing with the last in the last couple of years. And, you know, you like wring your hands and you go, why can't we all just get along? So today That's... what we want to talk about is people that got along, and that uh, in our church, in in the scriptures, is called Zion. And so tonight we want to talk about Zion, what it is, what could we do to bring Zion here? And that is the goal. Because let's first define it, Brian. Let's talk about what Zion is. What is Zion? Well, it's uh, as I as I read and as I looked. Zion is, has a couple of different meanings. Zion is a place, a, a physical location. Um, Zion is a people, a people uh, that have made covenants with their Father in heaven. Zion is kind of a mindset. Um, so it has, it has a lot of different working parts to it. But the, the definition I like is from the book of Moses in the Pearl of Great Price. And we're talking about Enoch, and Enoch says that Zion is the the um, the pure in heart, um, those that are seeking after righteousness, um, and that they had no poor among them. If you can recite the exact scripture, it is it is uh, <laughs> out of my mind right now. But um, yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah, so I think that's exactly right. That's. Um, I don't know the exact scripture off the top of my head, but that's what it says. There was no poor among them. Zion is one heart and one mind. mind. There's no poor among them. Um, And one heart and one mind. You're going to have to cut this part. No. (laughs) (laughs) One heart, one One mind. mind. There was no poor among them. Uh, That's what, I think that's what, I think that's really what the definition is, right? Yeah. One heart, one mind. 
seeking after righteousness, something like that. There was something about righteousness. Something about righteousness in... Um, and there were no poor among them. And there were no poor among them. Uh, here, I think I have it right here. And the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness. Dwelt. And there was no poor among them. That's Moses seven eighteen. Well, I love that. I love that even like one heart, one mind, I don't think that means everybody was the same or, or thought the same, but they all knew what was the most important. I think they all that's had interesting. their priorities right. Dude, that's interesting. I think, I think you know, everybody's going to have different thoughts, different, different um, ways to go about things, but I think they're all driving towards the big things, the big goals. That's absolutely, I think... Um, that's cool that you mentioned that too, because before we even got on uh, and recorded, Brian and I had a lengthy talk. We we recorded a couple <laughs> podcasts before we recorded this one, and we did not agree on everything. No, but we we agreed. There, there was there was some exasperation. There was on both sides of this. We table. were getting a little like. No, what are, what are you thinking? No, what are you talking about? But we agreed on the most important things. Sure, and so. I think that's really cool that you said that because I I now agree with that. I always thought, you know, no, everybody, which didn't make sense. You know, I just had this idea. Uh, everybody was kind of had the same, they had the same mindset, but they also didn't really vary on certain little views, but that wouldn't make sense because everybody is their own individual person. And so I agree with what you, what you said there. And I think, dwelling in righteousness that's a big one because i think we all strive to do that uh and why is that so important for zion well i think i think one of the things that you mentioned in (laughs) before our debate um zion is set up it's a mindset that is based on spiritual truths those spiritual truths come from celestial laws. So there is an order to it. There is a way to have peace in your life, but you have to do certain things to get there. And so I think dwelling in righteousness is understanding through the use of our agency and through repentance, how to get to those celestial laws to understand those celestial laws and to apply those celestial laws to our day to day life. Yeah. Um, there is a scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants that talks about why um, in jo- when Joseph Smith was a prophet, the church tried to establish Zion. Um, but the Lord said that they, or the Lord told them that they were going to be, unsu- or they were unsuccessful because there was too much iniquity among them and they weren't able to live that celestial law. And if we think about that that phrase celestial law and we kind of sit back and we we take a step back and we kind of have to ask ourselves the question what is a celestial law and then what comes to my mind is the celestial kingdom obviously and and the laws that are lived there and if we think about where we are which would be a celestial world how are we going to even begin to bring that celestial law and live it in this type of environment because that's 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 rough. We talked about environment a little bit before too, about how it does shape us, it mentality wise and everything like that. 
But we also talked about in a previous episode that we can shape our environment and we can turn our environment around based off of, um, you know, the mentality we have, how we decorate our home, uh, what we bring into our home, what we are able to push out as far as the world is concerned. And so I think one of the things that a celestial law requires in that was mentioned in uh, Detog Christofferson's talk and in the Doctrine and Covenants is that there were no poor among them. Everybody was equal temporally. And that is a mind-blowing type of principle, especially now, because there's so many, so there are a lot of divisions, especially when it comes to classes and how people are living economically. Mm-hmm. And I, I had that question as I, as I was studying this. I was like, why is it that uh, in order for Zion to, to be successful, people cannot um, have any divisions economically among them. And so I wrote it in my little, my little, I went back to pen and paper. I don't know why I did this. <laughs> I went back to pen and paper. And um, I, I, I wrote something here, talked about uh, the manifestations of the Spirit. And one of the things that he says in the Doctrine and Covenants, why it's so important to have equality or the equality among the, the residents of Zion is because that the manifestations of the Spirit would be withheld if there was divisions in classes. Hmm. And then that opened up another question. Well, why? Hmm. Why? Why would that hinder manifestations of the Spirit, which obviously would be a huge prerequisite to living in Zion. You have to have the Spirit with you all the time to keep that level of living. And then I thought about Let's take it back to the celestial world and what we all struggle with right now. And Brian, you brought this up before too. How can you focus on the big things when you're worried about where your next meal is coming from? You said that. And that hit me when you, I think you said that today, I think. Mm-hmm. And you said that before too. And that kind of hit me. That's absolutely right. There's no way you can focus on a celestial way of living if you're worried about these temporal things that are getting in the way of that spiritual connection with God. And then what about on the opposite end of the spectrum? What if you're too rich, right? Well, if you're too rich and you have everything and you're better off than somebody else, well, then you have the uh, ability for pride to leak in. And then you become too comfortable as well where you don't think you need that spiritual connection with God and you become complacent in the way you're living right now. And so there's no more progression at that point, spiritually at least. Yeah, I think I think in one of our recent episodes, we talked about the the difference between ownership and stewardship. And I think when when you do have that abundance, sometimes maybe you start to think like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I, I did this on my own. Like I was able to, to accomplish all this stuff. Like, look at me. And I think that can, you know, Thou shalt have no other gods before me that can become a god that we worship before our Father in heaven. That can can put a barrier between us and him. It can put us between uh, a barrier between ourselves and the people around us. If we if we're like, well, I have all this stuff, and oh man, that person they need to take a bath. <laughs> like we start looking at people and uh, through those lenses, we can start to say, well. 
guy just needs to go get a job. Like if he did what I did, he'd be, he, he right. received the blessings that I've received instead of having compassion, instead of saying, you know, what I have, I freely give instead of those things that Christ taught when he was on the earth, um, were caught up in, well, why should I give? I earned this. He didn't. And we, we get into these, these prideful mindsets, these, these mindsets that, that put us in, in a position above or below one another. Um, I want to ask you an interesting question because as we were studying this earlier this year um, and I read that scripture, I thought how interesting, and this is maybe going back to what we were just talking about, one heart and one mind. I think, no, I'm just going to ask you, how do you think we accomplish there were no poor among them? How do you think that is accomplished? Wow. That's yeah. a big that's a, that's a big question because so and, and, and I'll, I'll let you give your answers yeah. and then I'll give you if you don't if yeah. you don't hit on it I'll give you a couple of yeah. like because you probably this have this worked that. out because that's a good question um so the only way that I think that it can be accomplished that's coming to my mind I know there's probably many different ways but living the law of consecration. And so what I understand the law of consecration to be is you appoint a theologian or a theologic leader. So you would have a prophet or somebody who is in charge of that. Um, so physical location, geographic location, wherever you're at. And all of your funds go to this either, this either one person or the committee of that of Zion. Mm -hmm. And then those funds are distributed equally based off of need, a size of family, what have you, and distributed that way um, to the residents of Zion. And then each person would be provided a house, the, you know, the food that they, they would eat, they would probably grow their own food. And in my opinion, Um, and then trade, you would be able to trade services. So like you said, people are individuals and we come with different skill sets. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm a paramedic, so I could render, you know, first aid very well um, and other drugs and things like that. And after, uh, and then, you know, Brian, you have a degree. I'm, I'm growing potatoes right You're now. You're growing potatoes. Brian knows a lot about gardening. <laughs> so his kid skins his knee and he brings him over to me. He brings me a potato for payment. Yeah. Things like that. Like, so, and, and here's the thing, like, I don't even know if it's as transactional as that even. Right. I don't think it, yeah. I mean, it would be like, thanks man. Yeah. I think right now we, we have that mindset. uh, You're you're probably right. Yeah. And, and I think we do it not only with our money and finances, but I think we do it with our relationships and and the time we're willing to spend with somebody and things like that. I would, I would treat your kid's knee for free. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, well, the reason I wanted to, to ask you that question, and I think you, you gave a great answer. And I think the answer that you gave was illustrated by the saints that were living it. I think it was really interesting during my, my study of this, um, topic that it wasn't, not everybody could just go to Zion when, when they were establishing it. You had to be interviewed much like a temple recommend interview, and you had to receive uh, a paper recommend. And then when you arrived in Missouri, you had to show it to um, Bishop Partridge and you had to show him and say, I have my recommend worthy to be here. And he would ask you to deed all that you had over to the church. 
And so um, a lot of the times, whatever was deeded to the church was given right back plus more to to give for for the needs. So people are moving from Ohio. They sell their farm. They come to Missouri. They say, I am deeding all the money, the proceeds that I received from selling my farm in Ohio to you. Bishop Partridge would say, okay, we have this plot of land. You're going to work on it. You're going to till it. Here's your money. You can buy supplies. You can... We're, we're, we'll all come and build your cabin, right. we'll, you know, yeah. whatever we need to do. And so that process was just like we're building a, a sustainable, cooperative place where we can live these laws and that we will have everybody's temporal needs taken care of. So then these people were given these parcels of land and they would work them and whatever their family needed, they would keep whatever their family had in excess of what was needed, they would take and give to the bishop. And the bishop would, and that's where the bishop storehouse comes from. We, we hear about the bishop storehouse. So you've probably gone and served in one yeah. and, and, and done a, a service day when you were a youth. Absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely did that. And so that, that all started when the people would have excess. They would take it and fill the coffers fill the coffers so when somebody else was struggling, somebody new comes in, whatever the situation is, there is in the bishop's storehouse stuff for people's temporal needs. And they were able to not have to worry about that portion of their life. They were not having to worry about that. Now, the interesting thing about that is how much do we, are, are we satisfied with our temporal needs? Yeah, man. And how much do we think we need that we actually don't? And that's, that's a big bugaboo for, for Zion because we saw a lot of the struggles that happened came from somebody thinking, oh, well, I deserve uh, to keep this little bit more or I deserve to have this or it's not fair that that person's getting this or, you know, those things started to unravel because people started seeing not just I have sufficient for my needs, but... I want more temporally temporally. Yeah. Yeah. Materialistically. And that's a trait of the natural man. Sure. And I think the only people that were able to pull this off was the city of Enoch. Hmm. They were the only people in history that were able to pull off becoming Zion, staying Zion. And the Lord said, well, okay, I'm taking you up unto myself now. On a mass scale. On so, a, yeah, on a mass scale. Here's yeah. the interesting thing. One of the historians that I was listening to um, talk about this, he said, you know, a lot of the time we look at back on these saints and we say, oh, yeah, they failed in the law of consecration. And he's like, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think while we weren't able to do it on mass scale and uh, like as the entire church, these individual families were highly committed and were giving completely and they themselves were living the law of consecration. And so he said, yeah, that the city of Enoch experience did not happen, but for many families, it kind of did. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important thing to, to, to point out and remember, because I think sometimes we're, we get results focused. And if we, if it doesn't become the city of Enoch, then we failed. And that's not necessarily true either because every, no effort that we put in to striving to live the gospel is wasted. 
Not a single bit. I like that you said that because a lot of the times, like you said, everybody focuses on the failure of Zion on a mass scale, and they don't look at the individual like triumphs that happened. I mean, they were still able to do it for a period of time, which is an unbelievable feat, especially the way they were living in the circumstances. They were being persecuted daily uh, during this period of time. And, I mean, I can't even imagine living that level, especially in the world that they were living in in that moment. So that's a great point. I want to talk about a little bit about the opposite end of the spectrum and why it's so hard to keep Zion uh, in this current world, right? And so in Enoch's time, you have you know, the city of Enoch, and then you also have Babylon, which is you know, which was the city of Babel from the Tower of Babel or Babel. And so you have these two cities in the opposite end of the spectrum. Why is it that... In your in your opinion, why is it that Babylon most of the time overtakes the individuals trying to live in a Zion community? Um, because when we talk about the natural man, I I think I had a professor in school that that. Um, taught some of the the kind of grisly classes I took. Uh, I am a sociology major, and so I took a lot of criminology classes. And I think his class was called Social Problems. And so we talked about everything, every social problem. And, you know, classes would get pretty dark sometimes with the topics that we were talking about. Um, and one of the classes that he taught, he brought up the the scripture, Mosiah 319, about the natural man. And he he read it, and he said, so is man good or is man evil? And, you know, we had debate, and we, we had some people saying, well, man is good, and we're created the image of God, and no, man is evil. Like, we're so, it's so easy for us to murder and kill and, and steal and, and be selfish and, and all these things. And, you know, we go back and forth. A lot of people, you know, it spurred a lot of conversation. And his point was we're both. And I think that is a, a huge part of this conversation is we have in it, in us, to be good or bad. And I think the reason why Babylon is so why it has mass appeal and why it has is because it's tangible. And I think for our physical senses, that's really easy. Um, I think it's really easy to, um, to find things that are not good, not wholesome, not um, that are not up to righteous standards. I think it's a lot harder to live with faith, to live with something that you feel inside, that you feel deep inside. You don't necessarily always know why, but you know that you need to be doing good because when everything around you is telling you, like, that's not even worth it, like, people are just going to take advantage of you. People are going to just do what they do anyway. You're not going to change anything. That doesn't... that that is a lot harder 
to, to foster that and to wake up every day saying, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to live that way. And so I think when we, when we let our spirit lead, then it takes care of everything else. But we, when we let, you know, Nephi talks about the weakness of the flesh or, you know, a lot of, in a lot of scriptures, we talk about the body or the flesh or, or things like that. It's allowing the now it's allowing the things that are present before us dictate what we what we do and and change our perspective and not look forward look eternally look at what we can become um and to just follow the path of least resistance as you're saying that the scripture came to my head when uh, Christ asked his disciples to pray uh, when he was going into the garden. And he said, stay here and pray for me. And uh, he says this uh, in the New Testament here. It says, it says this, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about there. And it's it's a it's a it's such a vivid picture for me when I when I see or picture Christ uh, telling his disciples that and his disciples quickly falling asleep after he's asked them to pray because they're so tired and worn out. And this is after the Last Supper. He 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 washed and anointed their feet. He he performed this ordinance and he talked about the sacrament, instituted the sacrament, and he's like gave them these really heavy doctrines that they were like, oh, okay, so the spirit was already engaged. And I think we've all been there to where we get in this really intense spiritual experience and then afterward we're exhausted. Mm-hmm. But the Lord still said, I need you to pray while I do this. And then he came back and he found him sleeping, I think two or three times. And he's like, okay. <laughs> just, just sleep. Just sleep. He's like, but that's what happens to us because of the mortal condition which we are in. And so I guess the question is going to be then, how do we overcome the mortal condition in order to sustain that Zion mentality and to push out? Well, I mean, what are the key elements here that we need to obtain in order for that mentality and the way of living to be sustainable, to be, to, for us to go to the distance, to have that endurance? I mean, Detail Christofferson, in his talk, talks about how we can't wait for Zion. We have to act and and let or and have Zion happen, so to speak, or Zion will only come because of our actions and because of uh, what we what we are going to implement into our own lives and into the world. So, what are those key elements that we need in order to have that again that endurance to live as a Zion people? I think, in in my opinion. I think it's a couple things. Um, I think one of the most frequently used word in the scriptures is remember. I think we have to have an awareness. Um, and without that awareness, it's really easy to go to and fro, not knowing, not, not knowing where to find truth, where to find God. Um, I think we have to have an awareness that um, first that God is there. And if we don't know that, we ask and we put it out there and we allow him 
to fulfill his promises, which he has promised throughout scripture, that if we'll call on his name, he's going to ask. He's going to, if we seek, we'll find. If we knock, it shall be opened unto us. He says that again and again and again in scripture as well. Um, And then to act on those things that we're given spiritually, not the thing that we want to do, but the thing that we know will be the best for us in connecting with him that will improve us in the way that we need to improve because none of us, we, we, we don't like going through hard things. We don't like the real character building experiences of our lives because they're hard because they stink because we hate the emotions and feelings that come with them. Because a lot of the time, that drags us down, especially physically. We, we feel run down. We feel like, why even try? Why bother? What is this even for? But when we remember that there is a Father in heaven, that he has a purpose, that he has a purpose for us, then we start to see day to day how we learn, how we grow, how we change. And I think that's, that's highly motivating. Um, one of the scriptures that I thought of as you, as you were talking about that um, was uh, Mosiah chapter four. And if we're going to stay on this path, this is, this is one of the things that, that he says, he said, and now if you say this in your heart, so, so he, he's talking about, um, you know, giving to the poor, giving of your substance, um, because are we, are we not all beggars? It's following that kind of address that he gives. Okay. He says, um, and now if you say this in your hearts, ye remain guiltless. Otherwise you're condemned and you're, um, no. Okay, here we go. Okay. Here we go. It's the next verse. And now for the sake of these things, which I have spoken unto you, that is for the sake of retaining a remission of your sins from day to day, that ye may walk guiltless before God. I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporally, according to their wants. I see, and see that you, these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. I think that's really important because I think it's overwhelming when we think about becoming like God, when we think yeah. about um, improving ourselves, accomplishing our potential. When we look at the final product, we go, Ooh, that's hard, yeah. but it's not, he's not going to require us to do anything that we, that we can't do that we can't accomplish. Um, and so if we are, if we're willing to have that mindset, to have the mindset that we are all beggars, that we all rely on this God who has given us life, that we see each other with compassion, that we see each other with, those eyes that are his, that we see each other and say, I'm I'm in the same position as this guy. I may have more, more worldly wealth than him, but I am no greater in God's sight than he is. We start to have that humble perspective and then nobody in this world becomes somebody that isn't of worth. That's such a good thought. And I think, Shifting our perspective 
to being able to have that endurance to live in Zion is the key, is the shifting that perspective of, because we've been trained and brought up into a world that says get as much as you can, as fast as you can, and keep gaining and keep gaining and keep gaining. There's no end. To There's it. no end. Yeah. But when we shift our perspective and look at money as something that doesn't matter, when it comes to, um, when it comes to social status or when it comes to um, serving God or being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it does not matter how much money you have. If you have money, cool. But you cannot love that money more than somebody else who is in need. Mm -hmm. That must be given freely. And if someone were to say, hey, I need this much money and you have it, it should be no thought. I think the same thing goes with, and like it said, not just temporal needs, but spiritual as well. It comes down to, well, if somebody, if some, does somebody need spiritual strength at this point? Which Christ was looking for when he went into the garden from his disciples, like, I need you to pray for me, please, and pray that you don't enter into temptation and uh, pray for me. Then, and, and so that's also important to shift our perspective in, into the real currency is people. The real currency is souls. That's the currency that we should try to be collecting is helping people find Christ, find their way to where they're not struggling, wondering when their next meal is going to be. And if we're able to do that now and helping people around um, our own own societies and preparing our mindset that way, then I think like-minded people eventually find each other and come together and they'll start to talk and communicate and like it has been said Zion finds or Zion will be created by the people who are already living that mindset who are already doing those Zion like uh, uh, actions in their daily life mm-hmm. and I think shifting the mindset one of the that's super important changing our idea of what currency really is. I think that's a, a big a big prerequisite to living this way and having that endurance. The second one to me is having a family around you who have that same mindset as well because it's very hard to live this way by yourself um, with without any type of emotional support because when you're just doing it by yourself and then you're seeing everybody else not living that way, it's easier to fall back into that mindset and in that way of, of, of living that, Oh no, that's how I need to live again. <laughs> Cause you have no, nobody backing you, man. And I think a good example of that is when, uh, see a good example in the scriptures to me is Christ again in the garden of Gethsemane. God, heavenly father had to send him an angel to strengthen him during that time because he needed that emotional support. He needed that, that strength. Um, doing what he did, uh, Alma the Younger uh, had Amulek. And so it, there's you know these scriptural um, examples that say you need somebody with you to help you, support you, someone who is like-minded just like you so that you can continue this way of living. Because if you have people who are um, on, on the same level as you and living the same level as you, then it's so much easier to just keep living that way and ignore Babylon, so to speak. 
Yeah, I completely agree. The phrase that kept coming to mind as you were talking um, that has been said over and over by prophets, um, I, I'm hearing President Nelson saying it, is salvation is an individual matter, exaltation is a family matter. And and I don't know if that necessarily just means your immediate family, but the, the generations of of spiritually connected, sealed um, by priesthood power families that, um, and this is a weird, a weird image that is coming to my head, but remembering guardians of the galaxy when uh, all the ships come together and they, they all get next to each other and they form this, this this barrier, this shield, this force field. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's just a visual that comes to my mind when I think of things like that, that it's not just, you know, me and my family, but it's our families connected to one another through, you know, our our histories and all all coming together. Um, No, I just think, I, I think... One of the important things is that it is not to let this idea become something that's like, oh, that'll happen someday. Right. Like, like Zion will be here one day, and I'll I'll just wait for it to come, and then I can I can live fully. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're we're preparing the way. We're preparing the way. Um, can I brag on my father in law for a little? Yeah, bit? man. Let's hear it. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we even even not thinking, you know, historically or like what has been prophesied by prophets and things like that. Bring some stuff into the present day. But but even just looking at the world today, sometimes it feels overwhelming to, to try to figure out the big problems that we're facing in the world, like poverty and world hunger and war and, and all those things. But I have to brag on my father-in-law because he is a physician. He's a doctor. And he was in a private practice for, for most of his career. Um, and, you know, a while ago, I mean, probably 10 years ago, he gave up, he, he's, he bought out of his practice and went and, and was employed by Shasta Community Health Center, which is kind of our, our, um, our health center here that, that really is catered to a lot of people that yeah. are lower income and, and, you know, are really struggling. And so, um, he started working there and one of his conditions for working there was I want one day out of every week that I can go out and find homeless people in homeless encampments and provide medical care for them. Um, he got it and he started this whole program since then you know, since doing this, he has so many stories of people who, um, a lot of the times we, we, we label them as homeless and they almost become a non-human entity. Yeah. And he's rehumanized them. That's great. In his mind and in a lot of our minds with the stories that he's told us, he started a nonprofit. Um, they just got funding, government funding to start a respite house that is kind of, uh, where, where people who are, are homeless and injured can come receive medical care, have a few nights, um, you know, or take time to recover in a, uh, a safe, warm place and can have resources that come to talk to them about employment or housing or, you know, whatever is needed. And so, 
you know, that's a long process, but it started with one little thing saying, just give me one day to, to go out and uh, to find people to have conversations, to provide medical care, to do what I can do. He took his talents, his skills, his abilities and said, what can I do? And did it. That's and so, so cool. every person has something like that. And um, kind of shifting to, um, I, I serve as our ward mission leader right now. And one of the things that I've tried to emphasize is I've given talks or gone to classes or, or quorums or, or, or things like that is to emphasize that spreading the gospel and helping others come unto Christ isn't a f- full-time missionary thing. It's an all of us thing. And that every single person, no matter what level of spirituality you think you're at or your level of comfort with it, every one of us has a role to play. So we sent out the survey that just had a bunch of different things that people could do to to work with the missionaries to help people give rights to church, sit with people at church, provide meals, um, go to teach lessons, um, pray for people. And that that was our largest one. Our largest one was just like people that said they were willing to pray for the individuals with the that the missionaries were working with. And so now what we have the full-time missionaries doing is whenever they're teaching somebody and they're progressing, they text two or three people on that list and say, Hey, we have this person They're They're moving along there. Would you pray for them to study the book of Mormon and to feel of its truthfulness? Everybody has a role to play in, in whatever we want to accomplish in life, whether it's gathering Israel missionary work, whether it's homelessness, whether it's hunger, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, but these big things, everybody can play a role in it. And so all it takes is you getting involved somewhere. Just do something. It doesn't really probably even matter what it is because he started something. He started connecting with other people that were trying to do things and was able to, to do this, this thing that now I look back and it's like, whoa, that's pretty incredible that you got, you know, it's like a million dollar plus kind of funding that it took to get the house, to renovate it, to set it up in a way that has medical care, that has secure housing for people. Like it was a big effort. That's you. Yeah. But it all started with tiny little things. And I think we underestimate the small and simple things all the time, Jordan. Well, because, yeah, because you, because of what we have to look at as far as what's out there is like what equals success. You, you know, like we don't look at, nobody shares what they did that first, I think. What was the small action that you did? Nobody shares that. Everybody said, well, look what I did. And it's always this big, huge, grand thing. You're like, how do I do that? Yeah. I can't yeah. do that. Uh-huh. Right? So I think the point is what I, the point I got from what you we're saying, which is a wonderful, your father-in-law, that's a wonderful uh, thing that he is doing, is that Zion takes action, and it's within all of our power to do it now. And that's the point. It, the time is now. You start now doing those small little things. Maybe it's, hey, I'm going to go uh, give a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to somebody who's on the street or who's homeless. Maybe it's, you just pack up things in your car. You just have right. little like to go kits, something like that. And you don't have to think about it because you know. I think a lot of the struggle is is that that tipping point of oh, should I like? I'm going into the store. There's this person out here. Should I go grab them something? What if they're gone when I come back out? Or what if like you know? It's acting on those thoughts. Yeah, 
but if we're able to, before we ever get to those positions, be like, dude, I got a, I got a box in the back of my right. car that has toiletries and snacks and, and things like that and water. And pff, here, here you, go. you go. Right. And that's, see, that's such a, that's what it takes. It just takes little small things and you'll make a difference. And that's what Zion is. It's, it's people coming, coming together, performing these small, simple things. And then these great big things start to happen when you have all these people together. And so Zion is action. It's small acts daily that will bring forth this great big community of Zion. And we can all live it now. It just takes living by faith, having switching your perspective a little bit on what is important in your life. I guarantee that, like you said earlier, like when you, you talked about this earlier, you said, am I okay with living off of just what I need and evaluating, really evaluating what you need temporally, not excessively, just what you need. Start, that's it. That's live, live that way and then spread the wealth to someone who needs it, which is, it's going to be hard for people to do that. But it's so worth it because the the true currency again is souls, is bringing others to Christ. It's bringing others into the understanding that they matter, that they are loved, that they are so important to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Zion is a real thing, but it has to be done by real people who care and have that mentality. I think this has been a great topic. Ryan, you're awesome. I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> this has been great. <laughs>